today we're wanting to dive right into uh, a pretty big issue area, but try to get into some specifics. Um, starting, I think, with the you know the term privacy sandbox and and kind of digging into what does that even mean and what's going on there and you know is that one thing is that a lot of things? What are all these announcements about? You know other competing proposals and uh, what about Android? Like, there's a lot of meat here. I think maybe uh, least introduce um, this topic and start dr- drilling down into it. Maybe we have to use another episode to, to go in further, but uh, let's see what kind of ground we can cover in the next, you know, 40 minutes or so. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to get into this one. Um, maybe it's worth kind of explaining the different direction that we come into this as well. Or, or, or I wonder if it's worth actually introducing what the privacy sandbox is first and then talking about the directions we come at it, which are slightly different, but not at right angles with each other, I would suggest. I like that. So to me, uh, and I was, I was talking briefly about this before we started recording, was it was interesting because thinking about this podcast, I thought about how I thought about the privacy sandbox and how my thoughts around the privacy sandbox, or at least my definition of what the privacy sandbox is, have changed somewhat. And I wonder if we need a new set of terms, perhaps, to define what we're talking about when we talk about the privacy sandbox. But essentially, what it is, what I used to think it was, was a set of proposals. When I came into working on this, that that's what it was, right? A set of proposals that were... Um, being documented in GitHub and discussed in various different working groups as part of W3C. And at the time, it wasn't clear which of these proposals would make it um, into the browser. But what, what the aim of these proposals is to maintain or enable um, certain you know, ad tech practices, things that we're used to doing in the ad tech ecosystem, things like retargeting or behavioral targeting or um, attribution, all those sort of uh, lovely use cases that we use a lot in ad tech, trying to enable those use cases whilst maintaining in a technical way, and I think that's important, maintaining um, the privacy of the end user at all times. Um, so when I came into it, it was a set of proposals and it was, it was, uh, it was kind of it wasn't clear to me which of those proposals would would win or if it was a competition or how we were even assessing which which were the better proposals or, and which were the proposals we could maybe forget about um but as as things have developed i think the more the more up to date definition of the privacy sandbox as it stands today would be the set of proposals that have been accepted by google chrome uh, and will very likely or at least it seems today that they will be the proposals that will be implemented um, things like Fledge and Topics, uh, which I'm sure we'll dig into. And um, But yeah, so it's kind of my thinking on the privacy sandbox has shifted from, you know, like these proposals, this set of sort of equivalent proposals to what is now more formally regarded as the Google Chrome privacy sandbox. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a nuance in the difference there for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, it actually tracks well with the thing you and I were talking about before we hit record, which is like what I've 
what I guess I've learned over the last two, I guess, years of, of sitting in these uh, standards working groups, particular, mostly W3C, but a little bit at the IETF, and we can talk about those here in a second. But I, I also sort of had this perspective that like, hey, these are just proposals and, um, you know, Google's not going to ship anything until like, because it's the W3C, it's the standards table until other browsers are sort of agreeing to these standards. And um, I think I found over the last few months that that's not the case, right? It's, it's like, kind of like you're saying, like, hey, these are the things we're building. <laughs> we're getting feedback. We're letting you know that this is what we're building. That's the part of the standards process that we're at. We're going to build them, uh, you know, get data, get feedback, get time in market, and and then sort of revisit, are there, are there other browsers you want to adopt uh, that work? Or in the meantime, has something else been developed uh, by a different browser that maybe gets adopted by the rest of them? So yeah, I think, you know, slight, again, nuance difference of like, are these things going to be endlessly debated? And then if they never get out of debate, will they not be shipped? Like that actually, I don't think is the case. I think the case is that uh, it's sort of like product feedback and awareness right now to the market uh, for the various proposals that are from Chrome, but also from other, uh, you know, browsers. And they're all planning to build their own stuff. And we'll see what happens next, right? Like <laughs> some stuff is starting to ship, starting to be delivered into, into the browser, be tested. And that's not just true for Chrome. I think we could talk a little bit maybe about Parakeet at some point, um, which is Microsoft proposal. We could talk about IPA, which is a joint proposal from Firefox and, and Meta. And I think that that one's kind of being uh, tested on, at least by Firefox, seeing a little bit of activity there. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I agree. Like, I think, I think we probably see it. We've come to the same sort of conclusions, maybe differently. Um, like I, I do want to, before we dive into any one of the particular privacy sandbox pieces is like also frame like a way or maybe to, uh, dispel a, a common misconception of, of privacy sandbox. I think maybe we've inadvertently dispelled already, but like, let's make it explicit here. Um, privacy sandbox is not topics or is not flocks, right? Like, uh, or flock. Um, I think most of the, or a lot of the, the trade press around privacy sandbox is sort of equated, uh, sort of the, I guess, the easiest to understand proposal with the whole thing. <laughs> um, so it is it is a, a basket of APIs that do different things and not just the broad targeting use case that is now called Topics API. Um, it may become self-evident that that's the case as we, as we talk about this, but I, I wanted to like throw that out there that I see a lot of, you know, <laughs> using the term Topics interchangeably with privacy sandbox and vice versa as though they're they're one and the same um they're not uh and, and then like so 
my framing sort of a privacy sandbox breaks down into like three big buckets. It's like the work being done to block or limit cross-site tracking. Um, So removal of third-party cookies, uh, focus on sort of storage partitioning in the browser, which I realize is a a fairly technical (laughs) probably concept to a lot of folks, but that's part of it too. Um, Even limitations around or or obfuscation of of IP addresses and and information that might be used uh, for fingerprinting and the user agent. All of that kind of falls into what I would call the block or limit sort of bucket of the work on Privacy Sandbox and maybe even the broader work going on at the standard Zorg, the W3C. Then there's the delivery bucket, ad delivery. So uh, in that bucket, there's like some sub sort of components too of, and this is where we get into sort of the replacement functionality. Once you remove the cookie and, and partition storage and obfuscate IP addresses and get rid of fingerprinting surface area, now we get into the replacement sort of technologies that are purpose-limited replacement technologies. So you've got, uh, this is where like, you've got broad targeting, like something like topics, granular, what I would call like arbitrary uh, practitioner-driven interest group targeting. Uh, so like more granular stuff, this is where like Fledge and Parakeet uh, come in. You've got sort of the anti-fraud work, trust token. It's not talked about much, but something that's important is, is cross-site identifiers are being removed. And then the third bucket is measurement. So, and within measurement, there's there's proposals that are sort of general around measurement, and then one's very focused on attribution. That's where you have things like uh, Firefox and, and Meta's IPA or interoperable private a- uh, attribution, as well as Google's, I think, aggregate attribution API. Um, Anyway, so a lot, a lot of things to keep straight, but you know that's how I frame it up in my head. Is like there's the stuff that they're doing to block cross-site tracking, uh, and then the two buckets of things that they're doing to uh, re- replace that functionality in a purpose-limited way. Which and there's sort of subcategories of that. So I've, I've talked a lot. Does that track with like how you? Uh, yeah, you, you think about it in your head. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but I think that was a really good framing. Actually, uh, you managed to sort of give a really good overview of what, what the different initiatives of the privacy sandbox are. I, I I'll admit to being a, a little bit more basic in my thinking of it, and I think that comes from uh, the the angle that I have to approach it as a product manager at an ad tech vendor company, right? right. Uh, whose opinion I'm not representing today, but my own. Um, but the point is. I forget that the, the privacy aspects of it uh, that you just mentioned are actually part of it, right? Like, I, I, I kind of forget that. I, I look at more of a kind of problem and solution way because of my work as a product manager, and, and that kind of gets filtered down into a very sim- simplistic almost, you know, cookies are going away, IPs um, are being limited, Things like this, the browser is making efforts to make sure that uh, fingerprinting is is more difficult, as you alluded to. And then, what do we have uh, in replacement, uh, right, to replace these things? Because people are kind of broadly aware of what cookies are. I guess uh, I'm talking about the general public, 
Um, but then like all of the use cases that we talked about when you got to the replacement part of, of, of the privacy sandbox are based on one very simple idea, right? That, that uh, there's a, an identifier that's stored in your browser that's, uh, that you can, you can track cross-site and that enables things like um, behavioral targeting, uh, retargeting and, and all those, those use cases. So yeah, I guess I'm, I'm guilty of focusing more on the, the, the replacement part of it and forgetting that it's it's a really noble thing actually like when, when you track back that um, especially if you, if you work in the industry because it's re it's really trying to save um, the internet like because you know the 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 internet is funded by ads to put it like very um, simply <laughs> it, it is for the most part is, is funded by, by by ads it's an oversimplification of course but that is also the, the the truth and um, privacy you know users find it disconcerting that they're actually the the uh, the product right and that their 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 uh, their interests uh, and their their behaviors are actually the product which is being being used to uh, to create the world wide web essentially or at least the publishing on the world wide web and so the privacy sandbox is a noble attempt to be able to maintain the end, the end user privacy, which is what everyone wants at the end of the day, um, but also maintain the funding or the reason that makes it such a wonderful place for advertisers when we're all being honest because of these things like being able to attribute or understand how, how your ads are working and, and all those sorts of things and actually make sure that your ads get in front of the right people, right? And that's good for both sides of the equation. So it's good for the advertiser. And it's also good for the people that the, the, the adverts actually uh, make sense to them. So, yeah, I, I, th I think you, you did a good job of um, giving a general overview of what the privacy sandbox is. And I 100% agree with you that the, the word is not, or two words, the term is not very clearly defined at this point. And it's usually people's, it's not always topics or flock, as it was called. It's, it's also other, I've heard privacy sandbox used for other um, parts of the privacy sandbox essentially and it just tends to be which part of the privacy sandbox that person has decided to to focus on you know whether it's attribution IP blindness trust tokens uh, fledge very often fledge I've heard uh, uh, as a synonym for privacy yeah. sandbox or vice versa I mean um, and I think yeah it's it's just a confusing topic right and I, I work on it basically every day of my life and I still find it a, an extremely uh, complicated topic you know, we make reference to these acronyms like W3C and IETF and like maybe really briefly we can touch on what they are. So it's like W3C um, has, is a web standards, um, it's, it's short for World Wide Web Consortium. Um, and it actually is that. Uh, interestingly, a little bit of trivia here, the... the W3C actually isn't a legal entity. Um, it is a collection of uh, like entity, like host entities. So like MIT is, I think, sort of the, the host entity for the staff of W3C. And they also have like sort of contracts with all these various like host entities like exit or there's like four of them, I think. Anyway, point being is like W3C itself actually isn't a technical legal entity. It's, it's been this sort of like gathering collective space for, uh, 
you know, engineers interested in standards, like it go, goes back to Sir Tim Berners-Lee and the early days of the, like sort of the creation of the World Wide Web. Um, and it's just remained a place for web standards practitioners to come together and try to develop standards. So they've developed, you know, the HTML spec, the CSS, the spec, the um, specs, I should say, like those have all had new versions. They focus on accessibility, um, privacy and security, uh, which is how, you know, <laughs> these topics of privacy sandbox ended up there. Uh, but it, it's a fascinating sort of world because there's a whole lot of members but really, at the end of the day, like uh, most of the major scaled sort of adoption happens in just a couple web browsers, right? Because of the way mm. that web browsers sort of <laughs> market share works. So, you know, I think there's there's hundreds of member companies, if not a thousand, but I think there's there's definitely there's somewhere nearing a thousand member companies. Um, but then you've got like Google, Apple, Microsoft. Uh, Mozilla, Brave, DuckDuckGo, like the the other, sort of the, the range of browsers out there um, that ultimately are the ones that will decide whether or not they will implement a standard in their browser. And then you've got IETF, which we'll mention just ever so slightly a little bit, which is the Internet Engineering Task Force. It's about the same age. It may be a little bit older they kind of focus on more lower level um, internet sort of layers. So think things like the HTTPS uh, specification, um, transport layer security, um, really fun nerdy stuff that like is like fundamental to our world now, like in terms of the architecture of the internet. Um, there's some overlap between the two groups in the sense that, you know, we mentioned one of the blocking pieces of, of privacy sandboxes about um, removing cookies and uh, and obfuscating IP addresses. Cookies actually were a specification of the IETF, I believe. Um, and IP addresses are certainly like in that in the realm of the IETF. So a lot of the discussions, so there's a, a privacy sandbox proposal called NAT Catcher, which has a couple of proposals inside of it. Uh, and that's focused on sort of removing IP address as a, again, surface area for data collection and activation cross sites, cross time, cross context. Um, so yeah, there, it, it, like for anyone who, like you said it so well earlier, like you are working in this every day and it's confusing. So I cannot imagine what it's like for people who aren't working in this every day, but, but it affects them. Right. So like I, it's part of the reason we're doing this, right. Like that we made this our, our second episode topic is, you know, hopefully this can be helpful. Um, so yeah, that, that's my best, uh, you know, three minute overview of W3C and IETF and, and maybe now let's, should, should, should we jump into some of the, some of the leading sort of, uh, bird names, if you will, we yeah. Though we've kind of yeah. diverged yeah. from bird names now, apparently. Uh, topics is a we, bird name. Well, there's only so many birds, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but um, 
yeah, no, I, I just think that's interesting. You definitely taught me a lot just in those, those, those couple of minutes. Um, and I feel like I'm constantly learning just, uh, just on working groups or, or they, you know, those, those, um, the consortiums or, or, or whatever it is, foundations or whatever. It's just really interesting to see because there's no kind of coming in relative. I mean, everyone's a newbie to this industry, but I still feel like I'm a newbie to this industry and trying to understand how, um, internet standards specifically, but more generally just standards come to be. It's just a really interesting sort of melting pot of ideas and arguments and discussions and opinions and for for me it's it's really hard to see where within this like cloud of ideas there's there's like a, a signpost you know or like there's an end point and it's just really interesting to to see that we we do get to an established established status quo that we do get to a consensus as often as we do when to me it seems like um it's so formless, right? Like it's ostensibly so formless and, uh, and it could kind of go in every direction, but just like with what I'm just, with the very limited experience I have, it's like the good intentions of the people that want to be moving in the same direction, just help things get there. And that's been really interesting to me just in the discussions. And I saw that with the TCF and I saw like the evolution of the TCF and then um, it, far more complicated way the, the the privacy sandbox generally. So I, ju I just kind of wanted to make that point before we moved on to uh, the birds, the, bird. the bird names, the birds, <laughs> the, the birds. birds. Plus, um, yeah, yeah. What um, perhaps should we start on topics? Yeah, I think I guess, topics is a good topic. topic because it's again, you know, it falls into that bucket of, or at least the bucket I've given it of delivery, and yeah. it's broad targeting, right? So there's broad targeting uh, sort of API, at least that Google Chrome has come up with called Topics, used to be Flock, um, now it's Topics, and then Fledge, which is like narrow, which maybe we can jump to next. And because Topics actually doesn't have a competing proposal that I know about. Uh, so that may make it easier to talk about. Uh, yeah, that's very, <laughs> it's very true. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. It used to be called Flock. Federated learning of cohorts, um, and then it didn't actually use federated learning, right? So, so, so I, I think that was one of the reasons. Firstly, topics is just obviously a better name than Flock for a, for a fully fledged, excuse the pun, for a pro product. Um, but also because it doesn't actually use federated learning, which was one of the, I don't know whether you call that a criticism, but it was one of the observations that, that came out uh, when it went into the origin trial. Um, I think the original explainer it did have federated learning, mm -hmm. um, but then the the when the it got by the time it got to the origin trial stage, then it was really just a sort of matrix representation of your web um, visiting habits, right? So so the different the different domains you visit um, were coded uh, encoded uh, in a kind of matrix representation, and then that was further encoded into what was a cohort ID. I'm putting quite a complicated process in, in, a, in, a, in an intentionally simplistic way, but you, what you came up with in the first inter iteration was just this ID, right? So you, you were given an ID um, and there were around 33,000, I think, IDs at the time. Um, and the idea was that every user would be put into these IDs, they'd be cycled. Um, and at that point, it wasn't clear if those IDs would have any sort of meaning. Um, and certainly we wouldn't be able to get it just through the ID because it's just an ID. Um, so that was the original 
incarnation of what was then called Flock. And that went through an origin trial in which uh, Xander actually did some, some testing. We did some testing and other ad tech players were invited to do some testing and, and we'll, we'll get to that, <laughs> you know, the consequences of that. Um, but the, uh, the, the then kind of things went quiet for a few months and Google obviously worked on, on the proposal a little bit. And then um, I'm not exactly sure a couple of months ago, Topics was then released. And the, the major change I, I, w I would suggest is that the, the cohort IDs um, have been um, substituted with actual topics or categories in a more kind of, you know, standard um, um, behavioral or sort of, you know, category-based targeting model. So now there's, a, I forget how many, roughly 100 categories, I guess. I think it's um, three. Uh, okay. I think it's 300. Yeah. But the so, point some, is... Some number between 100 and 500. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot less than 33,000, that's, yes. that's, that's, yes. that's for sure. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we are. Um, and there are some, I, I think it's positive. I think what you said about um, the, 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 the delivery, like that it's a delivered proposal that went through, uh, at least at this point, it's still in origin trial phase, but, but you know, it's, it's at a place where people can use it and control it. Um, I think that is something to be said about it and probably why most people associate that with the privacy sandbox because it was the first one to be shipped, if you like. Um, but it also has, you know, several implications for the industry, which, which I'm sure we, we can get into. I just realized that I need to better define delivery here. What I actually meant by delivery is... So ad delivery. I, I, I view ah, okay. ad delivery as a separate activity than sort of something like attribution, right? Oh, I so, thought you were referring to the fact that they'd actually delivered on, on a proposal. Well, no, that I mean, but that's a good, it's a good call out that like there's all these various things that they're planning to build or in various stages of building and, and some of them have have gone to trial, as it were, or, or testing and um, others are still in an earlier stage. But yeah, so but that that was a very good. I didn't mean to detract from your like explanation of what what topics is. It is also how I understand it. Um, one of the ways, you know, this is a a podcast about sort of this intersecting world of privacy and data protection with digital advertising and all the various interests within that. I think. The way that I've been talking about topics, and I actually just published something publicly on this. Uh, it's buried in GitHub, but uh, <laughs> but is it's it stands out uh, among the various different things that are getting built as replacements for you know for cookies for for cross context recognition of a user. Um, in that it is the only proposal that I know, or the only track that I know of where it has the browser proactively creating um, what I would refer to as like, like a data marketplace, right? So like the browser being the browser can understand everywhere a user's going. Um, it can kind of categorize sites like a data provider might have done in the past. Um, 
and uh, and then make sort of take take that information and make it available in a way that doesn't allow you to directly identify the user, but like basically buckets the user into sort of a broad recent interest group or groups. Um, and honestly, I think that's going to be like, I'm guessing one of the criticisms probably flagged this. So maybe I'm, I'm, I'm plagiarizing this, but I, I think as I consider it, that's going to be topics sort of Achilles heel is that unlike something like Fledge, which maybe we can jump to next, uh, Fledge, right, is, is it's just making a utility available for an advertiser or a publisher to like arbitrarily set sort of an interest group related to an action a user's taking or not taking or whatever, and then use that later at some point in ad delivery. And it's sort of of the the practitioner's arbitrary needs. <laughs> arbitrary not meaning bad, just arbitrary meaning not, not pre, pre-canned, right? So like uh, arbitrary here might mean like I, you know, got to the subscribe button on podcast or something, right? Like um, <laughs> versus like looked at, you know, basically topics being like, aviation <laughs> um and that's predefined by by the browser and i think the reason it's the achilles heel is that like it feels like the browser building a data marketplace and i've, I've also called this other thing out is like i think it's going to cause trouble with the quote privacy first browsers like brave who actually have a business model that is doing what topics does for free, right? Like Topics does it for free. Brave charges advertise. Like Brave effectively runs an, a, a private ad network where you know they know what the user's doing. They can use that knowledge to sort of allow advertisers to buy in sort of cohort form. So you've got this category of browsers that's just going to not want it because it conflicts with their paid business model right now with a free thing. And then you've got like other privacy groups saying this smells a whole lot like <laughs> creating a data broker in the, in the browser. Um, so I think like, and honestly, I don't think Chrome's intentions here are bad. I think that actually there's a good quote somewhere on Twitter buried somewhere that uh, I think Michael Clip, uh, clever that originally designed flock and I think is still involved with topics he validated some an observation that I made, which is like, hey, you know, you could use Fledge for both broad targeting and granular targeting, but the reason that topics makes sense is Fledge is actually a whole lot harder to build to. So as currently designed. So and it and it's also much more disruptive to the current sort of like life of an ad call or whatever. Um so Topics is like more approachable <laughs> for like companies that just want to toe dip in and not rebuild their entire ad stacks uh, to get some level of targeting functionality. Whereas Fledge effectively could handle topics use case and not have the browser actually creating like proactively creating segments as it were. Um, 
So yeah, I, like that's not talking about the specifics of what Topics does, but I, I think I would predict that it continues to be um, one of the more controversial things, even though it's very, it's quite benign, right? Like it's like 300 topics. Like there's not, it's not that much, right? Like um, it's pretty easy to integrate with, right? It's just a new thing that you can grab out of the browser. Um, I'm sure advertisers like will, or agencies will test around with it and see if it, you know, works, um, which will require measurement, which we can get to in a minute. But like, um, you know, interestingly, we, uh, I'd actually be interested if you've heard the publisher sort of response. Like, do you have the publisher take on 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 topics at all? Like, because I, I know publishers have had sort of uh, reactions to it that are interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't actually, to answer that direct question, heard too much. I've heard more from, um, you know, uh, data providers or at least people that work yeah. with data providers because and what's interesting is all the point you're absolutely right I, I do think that this is you're right on everything you said like I do think this is a potential Achilles heel there are other potential Achilles heels for the product, <laughs> but this is this is definitely probably the leading one at this point in time I also think you're right this is completely unintentioned um I don't I don't think anyone ever set out to you know nullify a lot of um data providers, business models, which which you could argue that 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 fled, uh, flock sorry topics sorry is doing, um, but these the funny thing about this is that this was a problem from day one, right? But it it yeah. was you, you had to you kind of had to um, validate that it worked, and then also put some category names on it. As soon as you put the names on it, which doesn't really really affect what the the model is at all. Like I see. I see the kind of reduction in the number um, as more significant to the the utility of, uh, of topics than the actual naming conventions, right? Like m most most big ad tech vendors would probably be able to establish their own naming after a certain amount of time anyway uh, that, that that added value. But the point is that no one seemed to really notice that argument against it. At least in the, the I was talking the people I were talking to until the second iteration uh, when when it became more clear. Hang on, this kind of directly. Uh, is in direct competition, although it's not a monetary competition, uh, you know, per se, you know, mm -hmm. we could go deep into that, but, but not explicitly anyway, um, with, with what data providers, uh, behavioral data providers are trying to, to, to do. So, right. and, and given, and, and this kind of comes back to the point that I made on the previous podcast, like, I don't think it's ill intention. I almost think it's too you can imagine having this idea, right? Like you're, you're sat in a room and like you have this idea and then you create it and it works and you test it and it provides value. Although we, you know, not everyone had the ability to test it. We could get into that fully because <laughs> of the origin trial or what have you. But you say you're, you're Google or whatever, you test it, it works. It's almost like it's too elegant and it's too nice not to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like just seeing it from a pure objective standpoint, forget about the industry for a second. Like that's a real, it's a really nice, clean, sort of simple to understand product that provides real value to the ad tech ecosystem, in my opinion. But then like so much with the privacy sandbox, you drop it into the ad tech ecosystem, which is like 
I don't know if you call it mature, but there's how, however many thousands of players that they're all doing their own things and offering, have their own mm-hmm. offerings for publishers and advertisers and so on. And all of a sudden, the, the browser with the market share of like 60% or whatever it is says, well, we're basically solving that use case so you don't need to spend your extra ad dollars on, on you know, working with that data provider. That, again, don't think it was the intention, but it's the consequence, right? Or at least a potential consequence, a very, very likely potential consequence. And um, yeah, I, I just think that's interesting. I don't, I don't know exactly which way it's going to go, but with the, with the position that Google tends to find itself in with regards to privacy versus anti-competition, I think that topics is um, very going to be very hard to, to navigate, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well stated. We're coming up on like sort of the 40, 45 minute mark. We've got this whole other or two whole other realms to talk about, which is like, okay, what about granular targeting? We've mentioned Fledge. I name drop Parakeet, which is a Microsoft <laughs> Edge thing. And then you've got like, how do you know it's working? Measurement, um, which has interesting approaches right now. What do we want to try and 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 touch at least a little bit of like Fledge and maybe Parakeet so that we we don't fall victim to our own thing that we warn people about, which is like making topics the only topic of conversation when it comes to privacy sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see two dangers. I see the one you, you just expressed there, and then I just see that <laughs> the 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 not doing justice. And I would err on the side of. If we're going to talk about Fledge and Parakeet, that's definitely the thing that occupies the majority of my thinking. And given that okay. I probably have like 20 more minutes of, uh, of topics potentially in my head, then um, yeah, maybe maybe best to dedicate that to, or maybe best to intro it, like tee it yeah. up for, for next time. Because I definitely think that that those two alone could generate a whole podcast worth of, of conversation from them. So well, that's my that's my feeling on it. And we've talked about a little bit outside of being recorded on the podcast, like we might see if we can find some special guests here and there uh, to come on. So we could, maybe we could even work on that too. Not, not promising anything new listener, but, um, <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll try our darndest. Yeah. I think it's great to tee it up. I, my maybe one minute spiel of teeing it up is, you know, we're in the realm of, talking about replacements once there aren't sort of the things that people use for cross site uh and i'll I'll also say cross app because privacy sandbox that was announced is going to be adopted pretty much in the same form in in android so sites and apps um we've been talking about the replacement sort of technologies on ad delivery broad targeting right topics doesn't have a competing proposal that I know about from some other browser. Um, Fledge is a Chrome uh, proposal, which is actually an extension on the idea that they used, they called TurtleDove originally. I think Fledge is something like the first learning experiment, something, something, something. But <laughs> basically Fledge is, is the, uh, what what came out of the the feedback process on Turtle Dove, and it's about granular interest group targeting, um, 
And how could that happen in a way that doesn't reveal information that could be used to create, uh, for anyone to just go create a, a cross-site, cross-app profile on a user? Um, it's often associated with the retargeting use case, but I think it can be broader than that. Uh, and also it's important to note, we'll get into this, like Fledge itself has some limitations in how granular it can get. Um, and yeah, and then, and then you've got this thing Parakeet, which is uh, trying to do the same thing, but in a way that like the quickest, cleanest way to say it is like less disruptive to the current realities of how ad stacks or the tech infrastructure that's powers advertising right now, like how, how that all works um, across hundreds of companies. Uh, so that like, that's how I like think about getting the listener like ready for what we'll talk about next time. D does that, does that ring right to you? Like I've, yeah, yeah, I, no, yeah, that was absolutely right. Yeah, I don't necessarily need to 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 add any more to that, but I I th I I tend I tend to try and think of things as simply as I can because everything's so complicated. So I'm constantly trying to make everything more com. So all everything that's complicated, like as simple as I can, so that I can pass it and work with it. And for me, like Fledge is like the on-device auction, right? It's trying to bring everything that we do down the chain of the ecosystem onto the device, uh, locally executed. I think that's where the L and the E come from in, <laughs> in, in Fledge. Yep. Um, and, and then Parakeet, as you say, is trying to attack basically the same, same well, definitely the same problem. It has the same contract of interest groups as we'll get into, but it does that by using a, a proxy or, a, or a, a, you know, a gatekeeper gateway server in between the browser essentially and uh, the downstream ad tech players. So they're, they're approaching the same problem to, there's a lot of similarity between the two proposals, um, but to, you know, one fundamental difference, which is kind of uh, where the auction happens and yeah. then as a consequence, how easily that ties into the ecosystem as it is today. So I probably just repeated everything you said no. but in my own words. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you actually added a key, two key terms that I, did not say. One is it creates this sort of layer of a proxy between the browser and or the user agent and the ad tech sort of technology ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this really important thing is like where an ad auction is taking place. Yeah. So that yeah, th those are like critical things that we'll dive into and why why why. I at least, and I'm guessing you also think it's, it's critical. Hundred um, percent. What a teaser! That's yeah, a what a teaser! Ending. It's like lost. You know that people can't <laughs> wait to listen to the next episode after that teaser. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope we'll we'll see you back here next time. And Paul, it was as always great to talk to you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Always a pleasure. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Bye bye.